When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Joining me first up tonight on the program is cricket commentator Garth Galloway. Garth, good evening. Welcome. G'day, Mark. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying your, your flashback to 1992 and some of those earlier test series as well. I, I remember Crow went off the field, didn't he? And John Wright, I think, took over the captaincy on the field. Um, but that was a game I think New Zealand should have won. And it, it, it's one that, um, as you say, it was a great tournament, but it sort of sticks in the core a bit, and there are some parallels tonight. <laughs> yeah, look, a- a- absolutely. And uh, let's just hope we can, you know, let's just hope that we can get off to a good start and get it done. Look, look just on that, Garth, well, y- I mean, y- your father was one of the great um, cricket commentators, Ian Galloway. You yourself um, are very much uh, a student of the game. I-, I think you're an historian of the game. What What do you believe New Zealand's finest moments have been in cricket across the different forms? Um, well, well, <clears throat> well, I think you've mentioned them. Um, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, obviously the first test won against Australia, 74 here, against a, good, a pretty good Australian side when uh, Glenn Turner scored 100 in each innings. You know, that, that was a remarkable effort by Turner. And uh, up until that stage, you know, you'll remember that uh, New Zealand, you know, basically play on Australia B side for a lot of the time. And then, you know, that, that really did transform things and turn things. I think that first win in 1978 at the Basin Reserve against England uh, you know when, when again John White was was out caught down the league side. I think first ball off Willis and went on to get 58 in his first test, uh, and that was a crucial innings. But again, those are the things, those are the matches that I remember listening to on a on a radio from afar. And um, and you know that one we were all allowed to have our radios in the classroom when England were when New Zealand were calling towards that victory. I think they needed to pick up a couple of wickets the next day or the last day uh, at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. Mm. So those ones, I think that series one that you you talk about in Australia, that was a terrific achievement. And and if you look at it, um, you know the the, the really the the team was built around uh, Crow, who, who was a, a wonderful Test player, a graceful batsman, you know, terrific player really, and. And, and Richard Hadley, uh, the great Sir Richard Hadley. And, and if you look at his record, you know, 431 test wicket, wickets. And, and he, he got a lot of test wickets overseas. He got test wickets in the subcontinent. He was a terrific player, Hadley. Uh, you know, one of the true greats of the game. And, you know, I always remember thinking when he retired, what, what would happen with test cricket? Would it be worth watching? And, of course, it was going to be worth watching. But uh, we missed him. He, he had the, you know, he always had the ball on the string. He was an extraordinarily intelligent, beautiful bowler. So those are the, you know, those are the sort of the ones that I think about. I always find it a bit harder to think about 50 over games in 2020 cricket, you know, in terms of mm. the great victories. Um, there have certainly been some great series. Uh, you know, the Chapel Hadley series against Australia when 
uh, when McCullum was going crazy and, and, the, and the series in England against England when, you know, 300 was, was an average sort of score and both sides were fighting at each other. Mm. And England ch- changed the way that they played the game after that, Mark, um, completely. They dared to believe and New Zealand taught them how. So th- those are the sorts of things I think of. But, but you know, turning to, to what's going to happen tonight, it, uh, you know, it, it's almost... T- I feel like both games are, t- are too close to call, mm. if that makes sense. I, yeah. I really think they're tight. We see in T20 cricket, I mean, it's a little bit of a game of chances, isn't it? I, I sort of reckon it a little bit like tennis. If you made just tennis one set, the likes of Federer and Nadal would lose a lot more. Um, their record would be yep. considerably uh, lower in terms of winning percentage than what it actually is. And so how much credibility and how much legacy can we really take from winning the T20 Cricket World Cup, say, versus winning the one-day World Cup? That, that's a really interesting question, and, and I'm not sure I have the answer for you, but um, I, I think the players would would take either of those happily. And I think when we look back over time, and, and T20 Cricket is going to be part of the cricketing future, there's no question about that, it's here to stay. I'm not so sure about 50-over cricket, even though you and I have talked before that I think that's, it's kind of a better challenge. Uh, there's less uh, luck involved and a little bit more uh, of moving the chess pieces around because the game's played for a bit longer. Um, but T20, yeah, look, I, look, I, I think it creates a legacy. I think if New Zealand are able to get through to the final today, that, that's something of a legacy. If they're able to win it, it's undoubtedly so. And and I think younger cricket fans, um, you know, they are much more familiar with the various statistics, the hitting power, you know, the bowling and so on. Uh, so, so whereas I'm, you know... Uh, understand the test cricket and the stats around that so uh, yeah I, I mean I think it's important it's very important and you can rest assured that New Zealand will be giving their guts out there and mm. they've played very well they deserve to be in the final if, if we were to win this would it be the greatest achievement in New Zealand cricket personally I don't think it is but do, do you no, think that no, it would be seen that way because I, I do go back to 85 and I still believe that the pinnacle for New Zealand cricket should be winning test series in Australia that to me should be the pinnacle that should be our Olympic Games Hadley taking 9 for 52 and 85 uh, they're the pinnacle moments for me. Um, so I'm just trying to sort oh, that of... Was a, yeah, that was a good Australian side, captained by Border, uh, you know, and and some very good cricketers in that Australian side. And they were they were completely outplayed by a magnificent New Zealand team. Um, no, no, I, I don't think so. I don't think it would be the greatest achievement at all. I think it's just a, a little bit too hit and miss. But again, if they, if they got there, I wouldn't want to downplay it either, Mark, because it, it's obviously important. The players are trying hard. It's important to them. It's a world title. Um, and so, you, you know, you, you, you would never seek to downplay it, but I think you're entitled to make comparisons. Mm. And if you do that, then I think, you know, for me, the longer version of the game is always going to be tougher, harder, mentally more challenging, physically more challenging. And so the outcomes are more important. Yeah, I'm just trying to run through this side and remember which players actually played and arguably the greatest one-day game ever played, and that was that 2019 uh, one-day World Cricket Cup final, uh, which we ended up losing on yep. a bowl-off. But we've got Southey, we've got Bolt, I think Kane yep. Williamson, James Neesham was part of that. Um, Southey and Bolt are playing, in their, are playing in their fourth World Cup final tonight. So, so they're, Sorry, they played in four World Cup finals. So yeah. that's not bad. How important is that experience? I mean, I often say that you have to learn how to lose to learn how to win. Um, having lost, having had that adversity, is that now... Is that now a strength for our guys, or is that a mental block? <laughs> That's a yeah, another good question. I'm not, and, and again, um, I mean, they go into this 
you know they've lost they they played very well against Australia and um and you know I thought they were terrific in that game and then they've kind of it just seems to me they've regressed a little bit um they they, they haven't gone out there with that same degree of confidence and the chest puffed out and so on um how much does it does it help that they've been in those situations before I mean I think you know you learn from them so of course it should help and and, and the pain of of losing uh, should be a great motivator. But interestingly, if you look at Pakistan, though, and you think about what Matthew Hayden will be saying to them tonight, I mean, they were out of the tournament. They lost to India. They lost to Zimbabwe. They were spluttering along. And, uh, you know, I suspected they had their bags packed and were ready to go home. And then suddenly the Netherlands beat South Africa and Pakistan are in. So it'll be interesting to see what they bring to the game in terms of their mindset, because... This is like a um, you know a chance of another life that they just didn't have, and if they play with a freedom that is that is represented by those circumstances, then I think they could be really dangerous. Um, but could, but because they've looked uptight and uneasy, you know, and and they they of course had that series that you and I talked about over here with mm-hmm. Bangladesh before they went away, and they played well and they looked better than New Zealand at that stage. So I, you know it, it it really intrigues me the way that they've um, that they've they've got there and. It, they should be. They should really be feeling that they've got nothing to lose, and that makes them very dangerous. I think they're conservative, though, Mark. You know, if you look yeah. at how they, uh, you, you saw Sri Lanka against New Zealand, and the spin bowlers just having um, Allen and Williamson and Conway and knots really, and you know, New Zealand were in big trouble in that game, and they should have been 29 for four. Phillips should have been caught out, and then went on to get that magnificent hundred. But New Zealand could have been in real trouble. Pakistan don't tend to play the spin bowlers at the top of the order. They don't tend to bowl them, which is interesting. Um, you know, against New Zealand, I think I'd be doing that because I don't think Allen and Conway have shown themselves to be good players of spin under pressure. Mm. The other thing that I think is really interesting about New Zealand is they've only bowled five overs, uh, five bowlers throughout the tournament. Now, no other side's done that. Uh, you know, Saudi, Santner, Sodi, Bolt and Ferguson have, have played in all four games and they're the only bowlers who have bowled. So, uh, you know, no, no Chapman, no Mitchell, no Nisham, no Phillips, no Williamson. No one else has bowled. That means to me that's risky. I think it's not a. I'm weary of that. And uh, if they, if if Pakistan are able to target a couple of New Zealand bowlers, then you, you know we haven't got many options. If we bat first and we rely on Finn Allen sort of come in and adopted the role of Rabina McCullum, McCullum very much the attacking player, Devin Conway just a little bit more measured but explosive in his own right. If we lose Finn Allen early, do we change the batting order out and bring Glenn Phillips in rather than Kane Williams so that we so that at least we do try and get off to a good start, that at least we still maintain that sort of attacking mentality? Because there's a danger here that if we lose Finn Allen early, Kane Williamson comes out. And Kane Williamson, we all know, look, he's a conservative player. We know that he's a stroke maker. He's not a natural T20 attacking player. That there's a chance we could get ourselves into a little bit of a hole? Yeah, I I, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, Again, you know, I think Phillips has been our best asset batting at four. So um, the idea of bringing him in early would would just, you know, would worry me. I, I mean, I think... Alan is going. I'm sure he's going to play the same way that he has all tournament. I know people love him, but uh, and I think he will be a, a massive part of white ball cricket in New Zealand in the future. His innings against Australia was good, 42 off uh, 16, I think. But but I want to see him. You know, I know he goes out there and blasts and things, but tonight is a game under a lot of pressure, and, and I, you know, I want to see him succeed and to get a big score. You know, this is, it's, it's a critical game for New Zealand, and, and Allen has to step up and score runs. 
and so it's a real test. Okay, so, but how does how does he how does he do that though? I mean, he seems to have a bit of a, a McCullum about him. I mean, you're sort of saying that perhaps you. I'm sort of sensing you're saying that you perhaps him like to be a little bit more measured. But th- does that not then put you in two minds on how we need to play this game? Is there not a danger in that? Well, well, I think that, that there's a risk in changing the way you, you, you the, the way you go ahead, go about it. So what I'm saying here is I don't think he is going to change the way he goes about it. And 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 at, at this stage of the tournament, having played in one way all the way through, then it would be risky to do it. But again, so so what I'm saying, I suppose, when I look towards the future, if he succeeds tonight and scores 40 or 50 at a good clip, then then you say, well, it, you know, it's it's probably worth taking the risk. But if he doesn't, then he does have to think about being a bit more measured. To answer your question about Williamson and why I wouldn't change him, is I think Williamson, um, you know, his only his strike rate went up against Ireland. I don't place too much on that. And and for most of the time, he's been going at a runner ball. If you've got Conway at one end and Williamson, then I think that's okay. Phillips coming in next. And I think Williamson is a good enough player to to accelerate if he has to. What we'd love to see him do if he gets 20 from 20, say, is to then end up with, uh, you know, with 50 from 35 or something, or 70 from 45. It's just just having, but but at times with wickets falling early, he has been caught in that area where um, he's caught in between. Does he throw his Does he throw his wicket away and chance his arm, or does he just stay there and play the measured role? I've actually been mm. I, I've been pretty happy with them playing that measured role because they've been winning. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think it works. I think it's a nice mm. spoil. What's the role of Daryl Mitchell in this side? How does Daryl Mitchell bat? Oh, it always depends on the circumstances. Um, but again, you know, he's he's a good striker. Um, I mean, if, if if he goes in and New Zealand's a three down for not many, then he's going to have to, to, to change his game. I, I like Mitchell because I do think he can play uh, both styles of games. So in other words, if New Zealand needs someone to, to knock the ball around, to, to push for fast runs and all of those things, or to get out there and bash it, I think he can do both of those things. Not everyone can do that. So, you know, he, he will assess the game situation and he'll go from there. And then, then I think you've got in Nisham, um, a very, you know, potentially a very potent finisher. hasn't hasn't really shown us all of that uh, throughout the World Cup, but I do think he's a player who's capable mm. of going in and say the 18th over and and really, uh, you know, closing out a few sixes. So he's useful. Mm. I mean, this, this New Zealand side's done very well. Um, another interesting stat, Mark, that I was looking at today, because again, when we look at the New Zealand bowling, I mean, I think Santner has just been fantastic. He's taken eight wickets at 12 and, and, and an economy rate of 6.43. They've all actually done really well. Ferguson's been a little bit more expensive, but they've all done well and their records are quite similar. But Santner's only bowled seven, seven balls to left-handers. And there's a nice article on on Crick Info talking about, um, you know, a couple of uh, the Pakistan attendants, uh, Shan Masood, who's had a good tournament, and Mohammed Nazwar, and will they look to target him? So there are some nice little individual matches in this game as well. Yeah, I want to ask about Lockie Ferguson, because, look, you look at Salvi, and he's sort of more your traditional line-and-length type bowler. He reminds me a little bit at times of a Glenn McGrath, he's, or a bit more of a Richard Hadley, but we've seen this real shift to sort of towards pure, pure pace, and Lockie Ferguson brings that. Um, but as you said, he's been a little bit expensive. So what is the – why Lockie Ferguson? Why do you have him in your side? What what, what does he bring? Uh, well, he I mean, he brings that, the raw power, which is which is fantastic. I mean, again, just to, to come back to your comment but, but, about that. But is that – is that – that's just almost the norm, though, now. There's, is, is, is there anything sort of yeah. particularly alarming about oh, having oh. Buddy super quick in your side these days? 
Oh, I think if he's bowling 150, it's, it's useful. Um, you know, but the thing is, he's got to get his variations right. And and at 8.13, he, he's just a little bit high in terms of um, of his economy. But he's he's taking wickets. He's taking seven at 17. So that's that's really what he's there for. And I don't mind it when you've got Saudi and Bolt bowling so well at the top of the order, and the New Zealand spinners Santner and, and Sodi have been very impressive. You come back to Saudi though again, and I, I guarantee if you said to most fans, you know, who do you think the best bowler's been over there? They'd probably say Santner, then they'd say Sodi, they might say Bolt, they might say Ferguson, but they wouldn't say Saudi because they never do. But here he is. <laughs> he's bowled 14 overs in the four games. He's taken seven wickets at 12. At, at an economy rate of 6.35, mm. the best of the New Zealand bowlers. And um, he, he's been superb, and he and Bolt will be a real handful for Pakistan. And, and you'll know that um, that Baba and Rizwan at the top of the order are struggling. So, again, a lot's going to depend on that. Also, the other stat that comes out of Sydney is that five out of six of the teams batting first have won the game. So, obviously, getting, getting in there and batting first, I think that's what New Zealand will look to do. Um, and, and to set Pakistan a total. But it, it should be absolutely fascinating, Mark. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, look, I do it, think it's it, it is the same pitch that New Zealand scored 200 on against Australia. You've just said it, five out of yep. six games with the team batting first, so clearly you do want to bat first. Um, if Pakistan, however, win the toss, they decide to bat, what, how did New Zealand approach this? I, I mean, how much discussion's gone into that? How much coaching's actually done in this area? And what is the strategy? Plenty, and um, well, I think the strategy is to pick up wickets. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that. Um, I think when you see Baba, who is, you know, a very fine player, thirty-nine runs at seven point eight, and a strike rate of sixty-one, he is really struggling, and that that's unusual. And he is, he's a key card for Pakistan. Uh, Rizwan similarly not having a great tournament at all. So you know, I think you're going to see Bolt looking to. To move the ball back into the to the right-handed batsman as he always does to try and get through those defences, looking to to get uh, between bat and pad, and then pushing the ball away. He'll just he'll just do what he always does, but he will be looking to take wickets, and I think Saudi will be looking to nibble away outside off stump. And and they're very accurate and very. But that, but that also, you know, no one has really come down the pitch and tried to take to Saudi, and I wonder if Baba. And, and Rizwan just decide to chance their arm and think, right, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, but New Zealand will just look to do the same. And if unless Baba and Rizwan can get out of this trot, then Bolt and Saudi should be able to get them off to a good start. But I just wonder about Baba. I just think mm. maybe, maybe he's got the chance to arm and, and, and come down the pitch to Saudi. Yeah, look, you mentioned it earlier that really the reason Pakistan are here is because the Netherlands sort of knocked out South Africa. So Pakistan, they probably go in feeling like they are underdogs. They've got nothing to lose. Does that give them advantage? Can they play with just maybe, uh, can they play a little bit more relaxed? Can they go in there and roll the dice perhaps a little bit more knowing that, you know, perhaps they were a little bit lucky to be in the semi-finals. Well, well, that's really what I was saying at the outset. I think that's exactly right. And but, but again, it's one thing to do that, and it's another thing not to be crushed by the occasion. So, um, you know, if I was in Matthew Hayden's shoes and 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 coaching with Pakistan, the thing that's exactly the freedom I'd be wanting them to play with. But gee, we're lucky to be here, and isn't it fantastic? Bags were packed. Then we had to unpack them, and here we are playing in a semi-final at, at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, you know, I think that. If they can get into that mindset, I think that makes Pakistan very dangerous. You know, Pakistan that plays without care uh, and with a freedom of mind is as dangerous as any side in world cricket. But if they go out there and Baba fails and, and Rizwan the same, 
then they're suddenly back in a semi-final and playing under a lot of pressure. So I, I do think it'll be interesting. As I say, they are conservative. You know, they've got they've got a lot of talent, but we haven't seen their spinners bowling at the top of the order. It's been all pace and been quite predictable. So you know, again, what, I would what, just what like it, that. Would it surprise you if they opened up with spinners? Seeing what Sri Lanka did to us, Matthew Hayden well, coming in here, looking at this New Zealand team, looking at how dangerous they can be. I mean, Brendan McCullum's weakness, I think, was always slow bowling, spin bowling, and yet no one yeah. ever seemed to quite figure that out. And he'd just take pace attacks apart. And so would it surprise you to see Pakistan open with spinners? Well, it would surprise me because they haven't done it so far. So that, you know, and I, and again, but that would be a sign for me if they do that and they bother left, the, the, you know, the right arm leggy and, and the finger spinner, left arm, then, then that would be, uh, that, that's exactly what I would do if I was, uh, uh, you know, fortunate enough to be coaching Pakistan. But, uh, you know, it, it's, um, that, that's precisely what I would do because I'd want to see Alan and Conway tested against high quality spin bowling and they've got a couple of very good spinners. Um, I, you know, again, it'll be the first time they've done it in the tournament if they do it tonight. If they do, uh, then, then good on them. I think they should. If they don't, then I think they've missed a trick. 24 minutes after 7, you're listening to SENZ. Cricket commentator Garth Galloway is my guest on the programme. Garth, just before we do let you go, just quickly looking to tomorrow, England take on India. Um, mm, yeah. do, do, you, do you have a preferred winner here? Do you have a, if New Zealand were to get through to the final, do you have a, a preferred opponent? Uh, probably India, I guess. Um, only because I thought England played well against New Zealand in the preliminaries. And, and again, uh, I mean, completely different game. But Test series over there recently, where we lost, um, and in England, I thought a much better side against New Zealand in the round robin. So, um, I guess I, I wouldn't mind seeing us chancing our arm against India. I think either side will be. You know, I, I, I do think these four sides are quite unusually. Um, equally matched, Mark, and I don't see, you know, I I suppose, um, you know, the Indian spinners could be a a bit more difficult for New Zealand. I suspect actually that New Zealand would probably rather play England and just back themselves to get up against them, um, because I don't think England's spin bowling Mm. options are quite as good as India's, and that's probably Mm. the difference, I think. Okay, just before I do let you go, and I'm just going to change tack completely here, Garth. I'm going around knocking on my do- mate's doors and trying to raise $4 billion to buy Liverpool Football Club. You, you haven't got a bit of cash lying around to sort of buy yeah, some I'd shares buy some and shares. contribute? I'd, yep. I'd buy some shares. Yeah, yep. well, I, 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 gee whiz, and, and Tottenham took them down the other day. That was good. Um, I, you know, things are turning, aren't they? I think, you know, we, we're, we're heading to Europe next year again, Mark. Nothing sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough old year. Could I just say one other thing? Though, yeah, sure. Got- sure. Could I just acknowledge Kevin Hart? Um, yeah, yeah, no, well know, said, Kevin, well said. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I was just thinking about it. When I started commentating, Kevin was, you know, very much the, the voice of the Waikato. And um, he was, you know, rugby and cricket. He also did that rural show, didn't he, on Radio Sport? Yes, on, he did, on uh, a Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he must have, and I think he used to drive up from Hamilton or he'd do it from Hamilton. But he was, Kevin was, um, you know, in the days where all of the provincial cricket was commentated ball by ball, he was a great enthusiast and, and had a long association watching Northern Districts cricket and, of course, Waikato rugby. And mm. he was a lovely man. And I just wanted to say, you know, he, he commentated at the same time that Dad did and then I overlapped a bit with him. We did had a lovely four days with Kevin in, in Wellington at the Basin Reserve in about 1994 during the Shell Trophy final uh, between Wellington and Northern Districts. And he was a lovely man. And I just wanted to send my love and very best wishes to the Hart family.
Yeah, no, well said. And T. Garth and I was lucky enough to do a number of shows alongside of him and lucky enough to do a show one day out of um, uh, the stadium there in Waikato and, um, you know, and then throw over and watch Kevin at work calling a Super Rugby game. And, yes, well said indeed. Hey, look, Garth, look, enjoy tonight. Thank you for your time on the programme. Greatly appreciated as always. Thanks, Mark. Nice to talk to you and and, uh, farewell. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed.